0: Blog Talk Radio
1: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Women of Golf uh, show. I'm Ted Odorico and right alongside, of course, each and every week is uh, uh, co-host, uh, LPGA professional Legends Tour player, Cindy Miller, and we are the hosts of the Women of Golf show. Good morning, Cindy. Thank
2: you, Ted. Happy 4th of July.
1: Ha- exactly. Happy 4th of July to uh, you as well and to everyone listening to the broadcast this morning. We're glad that you were able to join us. Uh, on this Independence Day, a very exciting day here in the United States, as always. And uh, I know lots of you are are probably still sleeping in a little bit. Uh, some of you have got up to join us this morning. We appreciate that. And uh, I know a lot of you have got some great plans uh, throughout the day of, of celebration uh, with family and friends. So uh, we're looking forward to, uh, at some point, joining in on that as well. But. Um, in the meantime, let me just remind everybody that uh, we are live every Tuesdays from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here on blogtalkradio.com's Women of Golf. And the uh, best way to find us is go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf or just type women of golf up in the search key. Uh, for those of you that like to uh, listen in other formats, you can go to iTunes.com or Stitcher.com now and just type in women of golf in the podcast section, and that will take you to the page there as well. And for some reason, if you're not able to join us, uh, you, not to worry, just uh, go to those links and you can scroll down and all of the shows are course um, after the live broadcasts are auto-recorded. So you can scroll down in, into the on-demand sections and uh, listen to them at that point when it's convenient for you. But we're glad that you joined us this morning uh, for those of you that uh, got up bright and early and, and uh, ready to listen to some great uh, conversation. We've got a great guest coming up here, uh, LPJ uh, Class A uh, teaching professional, uh, Debbie O'Connell is uh, going to be joining us here in the second half. And we're going to start off with a great discussion here this morning. Something actually that I did um, this past Thursday with some of the guys that came on my show uh, on Golf Talk Live Thursday nights, which airs uh, 6 to 8 p.m. Central or 7 to 9 Eastern for those of you on the East Coast. And uh, C and I are going to get into that a little bit. Um, But uh, let me also just remind everybody that – if you want to reach out to us, if you've got something to say or or maybe you're interested in coming on as a guest, you can reach out to either myself or Cindy, and her email is Cindy at cindymillergolf.com, and mine, of course, is ted.golftalklive at gmail.com, and we'd always love to hear from you. Uh, you can also call in during the live broadcast on Tuesday mornings. The number is area code 347-945-5855. And uh, just before we begin the discussion uh, Cindy, you're your—you're actually in the car this morning, and you're on your way. Where are you heading this morning?
2: I'm on my way to French Lick Resort and Golf Club.
1: Very good. And uh, I believe you said you're going in there. They've got a qualifier this week?
2: They do. So the first ever LPGA Senior Championship is going to be contested at the French Lick Resort at the Die, Pete Dye Course on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I am not exempt, and I have to qualify on Thursday. So it's about a 10-hour ride from Buffalo, and I would normally fly, but I don't know that I'll get in, so I don't want to make a reservation and, you know, not be able to cancel it, so I'm driving over, and there's probably 15 people for two spots, and I've been working hard on paying attention and focusing on my on the right thing so I can play as good as I possibly can, and hopefully I'll be one of the lucky ones. But if not, I'm thrilled with the opportunity to try.
1: Right, and I know, Cindy, that uh, no matter what, you'll give it your best, and uh, we're we're going to be praying that... Uh... The the ball flies in the right direction and and sinks in the hole uh, in, in order to get you into that tournament. I uh, would love to have you in that tournament. Uh, so we're we're gonna have you in our thoughts and prayers uh, this week. Uh, that that everything's gonna go smoothly. Um, well, thank you. All right, Cindy. Let's. Uh, yeah. Well. Hey. I I have no doubt, and it's it's not an. You know, a lot of people don't realize just how how much pressure that is to to have to go out and qualify for a tournament and. And it's not just about playing a round of golf, but it's, you know, all the other thoughts that go in. So clear your mind, Cindy, just go out and have fun and give it your best, and, and uh, we know you'll do well. Um, Cindy, I wanted to talk to on, – on Thursday on, on Golf Talk Live, I had a group of, of gentlemen uh, on the show, and they wanted to talk about something specific. And I, and I thought it would be interesting for us to bring it to this audience as well um, and just talk about the, the state – of golf instruction today, uh, there's been a lot of changes. Um, certainly, some good, some maybe, in some people's opinion, not so good. But uh, um, we're going to talk a little bit about that. I just thought it was a very interesting uh, approach to to the discussion that we had on Thursday, and I just thought it was something that you and I could share a little bit. And then, of course, as I said, we'll be joined by Debbie O'Connell a little bit later on the show. Um, so let's just start off with the obvious question: In, in your opinion, um, What is your thoughts on today's golf instruction? What you see in in, in the industry today, um, some of the things that you like about it, some of the changes maybe that have gone on that you really like, and maybe some things that you wish were a little bit different. Uh, What what are your thoughts there?
2: What I like about it is a lot of people are doing coaching programs, which Mm -hmm. I believe are very important to help people truly understand and grasp the tasks and the skills and the uh, pre-shot routines, if you will, and to be able to prepare and produce golf shots, to be able to go play golf, uh, rather than just a bunch of half-hour lessons. I think that's awesome. What I don't like is all the science and technology that, and it's funny, the top 100 golf lists, people are scientists and they look at numbers. So I believe the science is winning over the art. And I would like to see it a little more balanced because I believe that you need to be able to um, tweak six, communicate with your students, I believe that we're trying to teach people to be a little too left-brained and we need to be a little more right-brained and have some more feel and visualize and, and have some fun. That's my opinion.
1: Yeah, uh, and, and I would agree with, with uh, you know, everything that you just said. I, I, I think, Cindy, one of the things that, that I've noticed, um, and, and you're exactly right, and let me just preface this a little bit. Neither one of us uh, are, are certainly against the technology or even the science. You know I think it's it's made it very interesting in some respects. I think it's allowed us to uh, get an in-depth look at things uh, about the industry that maybe we never knew um, on the surface before. So there is a lot of valuable information. The danger with it, though, that I find and this is the thing that I don't like about uh, some of the technology, uh, as fascinating as it is. I think that we have to be careful as instructors or coaches or or however you choose to phrase yourself in this industry, I think that we have to be careful in understanding that this information and this technology is for our use and for our information gathering to help us be able to formulate a better game plan, if you will, to help our students. The problem that I've seen, and Cindy, you may have experienced this in some of your travels as well, is that sometimes people get too caught up in the numbers uh, and I'm talking about the coaches and that and what's happening is they've now sort of transferred that to their students. So now the students are caught up in the numbers and they're not focusing on the very basics uh, and the fundamentals and, and even just um, their own ability. You know, they're, they're so caught up in in the diatribe of of numbers and, and statistics and things like that, that it's overwhelming. And, so they're not having fun anymore. They're not enjoying it. They're, they're too engrossed in, well, I, you know, my spin rate's this or my club head speed's this. And, you know, on the professional level, I, I can understand them wanting to have more access to that information. But I think for the average amateur out there, it really doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of difference to them. They just want to be able to hit the ball uh, straight.
2: And, and
1: they want to, um, you know, they want to be able to Uh, improve their game Um, so the numbers are great for us and the science is great for us to to understand things a little bit better about the golf swing and about the golf game in general but I think there's a danger and I think it's like you said Cindy it has to be balanced out well so um, you know and I think that's what we have to to um, focus on and it brings me to another area and I know a lot of people don't want to talk about this but one thing that I can say for sure Cindy we're not afraid to talk about pretty much anything on this show and there's a lot and again I guess it depends on who you talk to but I firmly believe this on some level that golf lessons being taken has been on the decline and for some of it is partially what we just talked about but I also believe I think it's a time restriction a lot of people just don't have uh, as much time available anymore so their time is being allocated to things that they deem more important. So this is part of the reason. Um, what are your thoughts on that and what can we do to to maybe change it? Now, I know you've got a pretty full lesson plan, but there are out, some out there that I've heard complain that their lessons are, are have been declining. So what are your thoughts on that? What should the in- industry do, in your opinion, to maybe make some changes?
2: Well, I believe that yeah, life is crazy, and and part of you know it's funny because sometimes I stand on the lesson tee and I think, wow, you guys have a lot of time for fun, you know, and I and I don't have that much time for fun because I'm always working. But <laughs> but I think um, I think life it's hard to make a living, you know, and depending on your region, uh, sometimes it's really hard to make a living and have time for fun. yeah yeah
1: and, 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 yeah no, that's Sorry okay. about that. um no yeah, that's not a problem I, I agree with that as well, and i think <clears throat> I think for the consumers out there for the for the golfers out there time has has become a premium. There are so many things that are um, you know distracting us from some of the things that we would like to do, uh whether it be you know there's a lot of people out there that are holding down two jobs just to make ends meet. Uh, the last thing they want to think about is is trying to squeeze in a, a, an hour or half hour for a golf lesson each week. So um, it, it's really difficult, and this is why you see so many uh, so much information coming online now, uh, video lessons and things like that, because uh, you know people are virtually walking around with their with their uh, iPhone or their iPad or whatever their you, you know uh, uh, you know method is. Uh, pretty much attached to their hips. So they figure, right, Mobile, thank you. It's early. Um, But, you know, they're they're looking for um, a way to reach these people uh, because they're not coming into the golf, uh, you know, into the pro shop as often as they used to or to their facility. So they've got to find a way of reaching out to them, especially the younger generation uh, that are very mobile friendly. So we've got to get more creative. But I think what it well, is and that's too why is I created
2: I... the Learn to Hit a Kit, to be honest with you,
1: so right. that because again right. these
2: women business professionals said, you know, I just don't want to hire a babysitter after I've been working all day, and and go find a golf pro that I don't know. Why don't you teach me in my backyard on my iPad? That's a great idea, and that's why I came up with that. I think there's some solutions though. I think if you reach out to families. And you maybe um, yes. you know get the kids and the parents together, and do it as a family unit. Mm-hmm. I think that there would be a great benefit to that. And I know that I teach a lot of families, and it's something that they can do together. And I think it's great for the parents because they tend to feel guilty that they're working so much and they don't have quality family time. So I think there's some solutions, yeah. but we really need to almost we need to listen to our our customers and say, what are you really looking for? How can I help you?
1: Yeah. And, and that's a great point. And I've said this for years, Cindy, I've said this exact same thing. I think the next evolution of golf is going to be family golf. Uh, You know, everybody's focusing on junior golf or uh, corporate golf or, or this, and those are all important factors as well. But I think as the younger generation is now coming, uh, you know, into that market, They want to do things as a group. They want to do it as a family unit. What activities can we do? Um, And there's been some stigma, as we both would would attest to, over the years with golf. It's been uh, perceived for for a long, long time as an elitist sport. It's an expensive sport uh, or has been. um, And there certainly have been some initiatives to to change that over the years. But there's still a certain stigma. And as I've mentioned uh, here in the program before, Cindy, the other thing is, the, the perception that people have when they watch golf on TV is it's a professional game. It's for the professionals only. You know, I haven't got a hope in heck of, of making it on the PGA or the LPGA or the, the Champions or Legends Tour. Um, so why, you know, why bother engaging? And they don't realize that 99% of the people that play golf don't play on a professional tour. And I think that the marketing has to change. I think it has to be redirected and make it more of a family sport and make it more accessible for the family and economic for the family um, so that when they take vacations, there's an opportunity um, that they can get engaged in that. And I think one other thing, and then, Sydney, I'm going to turn it back over to you because I don't want to hog all the time here. I think something that has to come back, and and I know that there's probably still a number of them up in the Northeast, um, but I don't see them as much down here. When I was growing up, one of the things that my dad used to take me to was an exec, what we used to call an executive-style or a par-3-style uh, course. And the reason why I think there needs to be more of that instead of these you know, 7,500 8,000-yard courses is people don't have the time to play four-and-a-half, five-hour, or even six-hour rounds of golf. They're lucky if they can play two-hour. So we need golf courses that they can get around in less than two hours. And I think Absolutely. that you would find more people more people getting engaged. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to do away with the other, but for those executives or those young families that want to get engaged in golf, that maybe just don't, you know, don't want to go to, the, to a pitch and putt, they want to actually play some golf, um, but they don't have the time or the resources to play on some of these championship courses that we, we see out there, um, we need to have more facilities like that. Uh, your thoughts?
2: Absolutely. And it's funny that you say that because we've been doing junior with our junior golf foundation that we have. We've been doing junior golf playing lessons every Friday and we go to an executive par three golf course. And some of the kids are like, well, I want to hit my driver. I said, well, guess what? We need to learn how to hit the green and two putts. So if you're really good with your irons, you should shoot even par here. And if you're missing greens from 100 yards away or 130 yards away, we've got to work on that. So it's not always about counting your driver. You can work on technique and you can work on course management and, you know, discerning the wind and the yardage and how far do you want to fly it and what's the playable yardage and making smart decisions on the course. So absolutely. And you know what? We get to play nine holes, you know, in two hours, and that's with foursomes with Alan and I helping them, and they had extra shots, and it's perfect. It's just the right amount of time, and, you know, yes, absolutely, we need some more short courses.
1: You know, one of the one of the things that, that I have some really fond memories, um, you know, as a youngster playing with my father on those types of courses, you know, obviously at that age, you know, I was quite young, and, and I wasn't quite ready for the big leagues, as it were. Um, so this is where he took, me and taught me the game and for those very same reasons that you just pointed out, he said, you know, you know, obviously you want to hit the driver and it's fun. And, but he said, you know, there's so much other parts of the game that are, that are crucial and important for scoring. And and that's not going to be done on the tee box. It's going to be done around the green and, and, you know, maybe even as much as a hundred or 75 yards out from the green. So, you know, he would take me there and we would basically Uh, work a lot on the short game. And I had a lot of fun. I actually had more fun then um, than I did when I was able to get out in the bigger courses because there were so many different opportunities and challenges that were made there. And, you know, he showed me sort of the ins and outs of that aspect of the game. And I think that a lot of people spend way, way too much time on the practice tee focusing on how good their driver is and not enough time on the rest of their game. And I think that's why the, the scores and handicaps haven't come down as much as we would like to see, or as much as the players would like to see. Um, and, and I think that this sort of, yeah. And this sort of leads me into another question is what is really important that most golfers need to know? What in your opinion is something that, that all golfers, regardless of their skill levers really need, what's important, what's really at the heart of it, what's important. And what do they really need to know? in your in your opinion to
2: know they need to have a fairway finder they need to have a go to shot that when all else fails they can take a half swing and bunt it straight down the fairway and i and i believe that with all my heart because i think there's so much thinking and trying and self talk and you know uh, confusion and critical thinking and, uh, and I'm like, you know what, just swing halfway back, halfway through, let's go. And they look at you like, well, well, that yeah. was easy. Well, yeah, let's just simplify and make it more fun. So I think that people need to, number, number one, realize that the ball can't move until the club swings. So we're never right. trying to hit the ball. We're always trying to swing. And if you can just swing, you know, have the fairway finder, a partial swing, that you can bunt the ball down the fairway, hit it straight, get it on the green. life will be a lot more fun on the golf course.
1: You're exactly right, uh, and that's that's an excellent point. you know I, I recently had a gentleman that we worked a little bit on the on the range with here uh, probably about uh, about four and a half weeks ago, and uh, we also rolled it into a, a short playing lesson. We only played about four holes. And what was interesting was he wasn't hitting his driver very well out on on the lesson tee. And the first club that he pulled, that was a par four, was the first hole. The first club he pulled out of his bag was the driver. So I asked him before we started, I said, why are you using that club? And he said, well, it's, you know, it's a 448, I think it was 448 yards uh, par four. And he said, you know, I I need to to advance it down the fairway. And I said, well, let's roll it back about 10 minutes. How are you hitting that club on the the range? Oh, I was hitting it terrible. It was all over the place. So why would you want to start your round with the club that you know you're not going to get success with? And it goes to the point that you just made. I said, why don't you dial it back, take a club that you know and feel confident that you're going to get it into the fairway or into a good position and start the round off Um, with a positive image and positive result as opposed to something that you already got a negative implant in your head from 10 minutes ago. And, you know, this is what a lot of, excuse me, a lot of amateurs fall into that trap, Cindy, and I'm sure you would agree, is they don't have a strategy. They don't have a game plan. They'll just, you know, they figure I've got to hit my driver because that's the club you use on a longer hole. They don't think now, if a professional um, was not playing well with their driver they might drop back to a three-wood or maybe even a long-iron or some other club to start their round with. They're going to start with what they know is going to accomplish the task at hand. Would you agree with that?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, I think it's, um, it's an awareness. They follow the crowd, and they don't stop and think about themselves. And I believe that what we need to help them understand is that most people can't shoot 90. So right. if, we, if we set a, a goal of let's just try to bogey every hole, you know, people look at me and they go, oh, well, I never thought of that. Well, because you think you need to hit your driver, you try to kill it, you hit it in the woods, then you bang it off trees. Yeah. And then you make double or triple, and then you're mad, and then you're, so, oh, you stink, you can't do this. I, you're, you're self-sabotage. Let's stop, and let's make a game plan and and become aware of your decisions. And, and again, once you help them do that, they understand they don't have to do what everyone else is doing. I had a couple last night came on from 8 to 9 o'clock last night. They're like, we really need a lesson. I said, well, I'm leaving tomorrow. I'll meet you at 8 o'clock. Okay, and I said, all right, I want you to hit these balls with your left heel up. Because, he well, I can hit it good with my left heel up. I said, well, do you do that on the course? Well, no. I said, why? <laughs> well, can I do that? I right. said, let me, let me just say something. What if I was God and I said, all right, I'm going to let you win the U.S. Open, but you have to play 72 holes with your left heel off the ground. Would you do it? Well, of course. I said, well, listen to what you're saying. I'm giving you a solution, but you're fighting the solution. So I and I said right. you can sit here and whine if you want, but let's change this. Oh, okay. Yep. I'm like, Wow.
1: Yeah. Sometimes and, they and think they the, want to the wow truth.
2: when they're self pity.
1: Yeah, you're you're exactly right. I, I've worked with people in, in the past where they'll come with a with a problem, you'll give them a solution, and the next time they come back they've 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 gone right back to the same, well, it's, it doesn't feel comfortable. This feels comfortable. And I'll say to them, well, it might feel comfortable, but it's not working. So sometimes you have to get out of your comfort zone a little bit in order to make those changes. And, you know, that, that's a great example that you just gave. I mean, heck, if, if, if I knew that having my left heel off the ground was going to, you know, yield success every hole... You're darn right i would be lifted my left heel off the ground. It just uh, – it baffles the mind sometimes, Cindy, when, when we listen to some of the, the, the feedback well, that we get think from they're our aware. students.
2: They're, and I said to them, I said, look, I know you're not trying to miss the ball. I'm giving you a solution. We need to change your mindset and find the possibilities. Instead of telling yourself how you can't do this, change the way you're thinking. And you yeah. know, hopefully they go out and have fun today.
1: Well, it, it all it all boils down to really having a positive mindset, and I think this is why so many people fail on the golf course is because they don't have a positive mindset. They have a negative mindset. They bring all of it's like going to the airport with a hundred bags and you only need one to take on the plane. Um, they're dragging this baggage on there. They get up to the check-in counter and it's, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. I mean, am I, am I not correct? And the, yes, and the person behind the ticket counter says, it says, I'm sorry, you know, sir, ma'am, but you're only allowed one bag on this flight. Oh, I can't take all of these other 99 with me. No, I'm sorry. You can't, you can only have, you know, and that's the thing, but they'll, but they'll drag it around with them around the golf course in, in, uh, in retrospect. But, um, the reason why I did that is I wanted to lead into to our our, our guest. And that
2: uh, was pretty good. <laughs> that was great. Yeah,
1: I, I think she'll I think she'll like that. Uh, Debbie O'Connell is our very special guest this morning. Let me just read a little bit about uh, her background, and then we'll we'll get her to join in the conversation as well. Um, Debbie, of course, is a uh, LPGA uh, teaching and club professional. She's a professional speaker, entrepreneur, and corporate outing manager, as well as an author. And uh, She's also the uh, founder and owner of Golf Positive, LLC, and she's a dynamic, engaging, entertaining uh, keynote speaker and leadership advocate who has conveyed her message to numerous Fortune 500 companies. Her authentic, positive nature, got to love that, uh, motivates and challenges her audience to dream big. Uh, A seasoned media professional, Debbie is uh, a published author of Golf Positive, Live Positive. Uh, She recorded a tip series, Golf Positive for Audible, which is an Amazon company. Uh, she's also continued to have multiple appearances on the Golf Channel, and her next appearance is actually going to be, I believe, next week, July 11th. And has hosted numerous golf-oriented uh, radio shows as well as a television show, Par for the Course. So, uh, let's get uh, this, this uh, positive young lady to join us this morning. Uh, please welcome our very special guest, Debbie O'Connell. Good morning. Thank my you,
0: Bren. Oh my goodness, Inday! Hey, both of you are absolutely fabulous. I've been enjoying listening to uh, to your show and and many of your shows. You're you're great, and what an honor to be on your show this morning on the birthday of America. What an amazing absolutely. day! That's right. Happy
1: Happy Fourth of July. Um, let let's just Debbie, real quick. Just uh, we we were talking about the first half of the show while we were waiting for you to come on. We talked about the state of golf instruction uh, as we see it today. But I want you to just pick up what, what I was just talking about a second. Is that not a true statement that everybody's dragging their baggage to the golf course? Why don't you talk a little bit about that and, and how you try to change that mindset uh, when you're working with your students?
0: Oh, absolutely. As a matter of fact, in my book, I tell this funny story about baggage, and uh, I, I use this uh, <clears throat> metaphor example. I was actually grocery shopping one day and had my... Uh, cart by the car, and I was taking out. I had some heavy things in the cart, like bottles of water, and then I had gotten some of those door frame logs for my dad. And when I took out the logs, the cart started to roll away down a hill. I mean, it, I was right on a hill. So I take the logs out. So this would be the baggage, right? And I start chasing the cart, and I couldn't <laughs> reach the cart. But the problem was I had this baggage in my hand, so I couldn't succeed in my goal. So here I am running, picture me running after, I see a car coming, and so I stop, and thankfully the lady who was driving the car stopped. I watched the cart just roll down the parking lot hill. It hits the curb, and it flips over, and the two nice rotisserie chickens that I had just bought go flying out of the cart, and I... (laughs) started cracking up I it was a funny and I look at the lady in the car and she she didn't know whether to laugh at but she couldn't help it it was so funny and so I tell that story because if I didn't have that baggage if I didn't have that box of logs I could have succeeded I could have grabbed the cart but I was carrying that and a lot of that is is all those thoughts and many times it's a baggage of of past memories what we've learned in the golf industry is that if you have a emotionally negative reaction to a golf shot you get really upset about it and you have all this emotion you actually connect these synapses and neuros neuro uh, pathways in your brain to that negative shot when you have that club in your hand and it takes 15 good shots with a positive reaction to overtake that so that's part of the baggage that happens and what people don't realize is they're programming themselves every time they have that emotional negative reaction to the next time have that doubt and have that baggage carried with them and that's besides all the swing thoughts they may have but what's the good <laughs> gr- the great news is You can actually program yourself in a positive way. So if you're neutral on the negative reaction, but when you're hitting great shots, you get excited and you're positive, you go, yes, a little celebration. It doesn't have to be crazy like maybe a Christina Kim would react, but it's important that you give yourself that little bit of, yes, I did it. And then remember those good shots, because now you're programming success in your mind.
1: Well, and and that's a a, a fabulous yeah, that's a fabulous point. Let me just point something out that was mentioned uh, Thursday night, this past Thursday on the show, and, and somebody raised a, a very interesting point, and I thought, um, you know, this is something a lot of amateurs don't realize. What, one of the things that really separates the professionals from amateurs is they're able to recall. Uh, in other words, you know, they have their bag of shots, if you will. They know what they can do with the clubs. They know what they can't do with the clubs. And when they get up to a particular situation, they recall a shot. They know what, especially if they're playing a course like Augusta or something that they've played many, many times, they get up, they know what what club to pick, they know what they're going to, the shot they're going to hit, and they recall those positive uh, memories, if you will, and those positive experiences. The problem that amateurs have is they're recalling all the bad shots. Oh, I, I remember playing this whole last year or the last time we had the club championship, and I couldn't make it over the water. So right away, they've reinforced with a negative. So before they've even pulled the club out of the bag, they've already reinforced with a negative thought. And, and Debbie, I know, as you talked about in your book, you know, this is something that you're trying to change. And one of the reasons, obviously, I know you wrote the book, was to, to get people out of this mindset. And most people, if they're like that on the golf course, they're going to be like that in real life as well, off the course, Correct.
0: Yeah, you get what you focus on in life. There's no doubt about it, 100% proven research and with people themselves who have been successful, you get what you focus on. And if you start to change your focus to the great shots you've hit on golf, to the good things you do in life, to things you're thankful for, your entire mindset will change and it will change your entire life. And realize that. So if you're focusing on the traffic or the person who cut you off, or if you're focusing on, you know, that poor shot that went in the water, if you focus, you know, just think of the 19th hole. What do people say? I Oh, yeah, yeah, I played pretty well. I shot 86, but man, I did blah, blah, blah. I had that triple on this hole, and I had this, and all they focus on is that, and years ago, there was an interview with Jack Nicholas, and and he actually couldn't remember one of the shots they brought up. Well, what happened on the shot on such and such? It was a shot he missed. It was a poor shot. He said, "You know what? I don't remember that, but I remember that 30-foot uh, birdie putt I made on this hole." And I, re-, you know, he recalled all the right. big shots. So even, even one of the best players who ever played the game, he would only want to talk about and focus on those great shots that he that he hit. And you hear that oftentimes with. Uh, the interviews after the rounds on the LPGA yes. and PGA tour. You may hear, you know, yeah, I I I was I was stroking the ball well on the putts, even though they didn't go in. So there's a positive statement with that. I've heard that many times on the tour. You know, yeah, yeah I, I didn't make I didn't make them, but I really stroked it well. I I, I just thought I read them well, but you know they just weren't falling today. Boom, and they left it as that. They didn't blame themselves. They didn't take it on themselves. They said the positive, even even in an interview.
1: Yeah, and that's that's a great point. And and you're right. It's it, you know, and I understand that the interview um they want to talk about that. They want to you know, get some feedback and hoping that um you know, maybe some information they're going to um you know, solicit from the player is going to help somebody out there. But the truth of the matter is, you're right. The players know themselves. They've been playing long enough and they've been playing at a high enough level that they know that if they sit and dwell and focus on all the negative stuff, that that is going to filter into their mindset and they don't need that, especially if they've got the final round coming up tomorrow. The last thing they want to be doing is focusing on all the bad shots they just played today. They're going to focus on the positive from that round, and they may go and work on some things on the range um, after that round. But they're not going to sit and dwell on on uh, negative thoughts. Um, and, and you're exactly right. So
0: exactly. And what what it is, the, too, they'll they'll the, learn from the shots maybe that didn't go as well. So what they'll do is say, just what you said. I need to go work. I'm going to go work on this. Because it's not a failure if you learned. So they look at it as, okay, I, this, is, this is what's going to plan my practice session or this is where I need to focus some effort. But it's not that they focus on that shot. They just take it as a learning experience, which we need to do in all of life because we're human beings, right? We, we will make mistakes. But if you learn from it or if you, if you try to succeed, if you go for the interviews and you don't get them or if you try to oh, start your own business and that one doesn't work but you have this other great idea, you know, if you focus on what you've learned from the experience and turn it into something positive and do better the next time, well, then the whole experience was not a failure, right? It was a success because you turned it into something better.
1: Yeah, I- exactly right. Now, what was your, your thought process in putting this book together? What were some of the things that were going through your mind saying, and why did you feel it was an important book to write?
0: I think a, a big part of the beginning of this was that I felt like I've been teaching long enough. As we get older, we feel like we become a bit wiser, right? And I have learned so much from not only, and probably mostly my mentors in the LPGA, and Cindy being one of them, that I have listened to and learned from over the years. And then as we teach golf, why do we get lessons every time we're on the lesson tee of how to communicate better or what works and you notice what your students do well and they're receptive to and every individual is different but there are some certain cues that really are effective and, and that work and I felt like over my years of teaching I gained a lot of Knowledge that I wanted to pass on. But the other part was I've been a student of personal development and human beings and success and success strategies since I was a teenager. It's always been an interest of mine. I majored in psychology, and I, I've taken um, – I've gone to Tony Robbins' uh, UPW, The Ultimate Power – Unleash the Power Within – Twice, And even back when I was in my early 20s, I did his 30-day personal power program and then have read the books from Norman Vincent Peale and Zig Ziglar and have gone to many motivational speakers and seminars, learned neuro-linguistic programs. So all my life, basically from teenager on, once I realized, you know, it, it, the funny thing was I, I loved quotes when I was in my uh, early teens, I would say. They had quotes on Salada tea bags. They would have a quote of the day, and I would save those. And I had this whole, like, shoebox of quotes, and I would look at them every once in a while, and I love the positive, inspiring quotes. So I thought, wow, with, with what I've learned in that arena and with golf, it works so well together because many times, and I'm sure you both have done it, you're, you're on the lesson team, but you're actually working on someone's limiting beliefs or the, the abuse they went through as a child, because, and that makes them feel undeserving of success whether it's in golf or life, and all of a sudden you're, you find you're tackling this emotional issue on the lesson T as opposed to, you know, just the golf swing and not the and the swing path, you know, so you're changing mindsets. But what happens, then I thought about it, I was like, you know what, I really, I really feel like I have this knowledge from all of these years of experience, and I would love to share it in this way because, I live what I teach, and I'm telling you, I wake up happy, I wake up with passion, and I'm focused on the positive in life, I'm focused on my goals, I have a vision board in my walk-in closet that I look at every day, and I look at it with energy, and I picture myself with the future that, that, um, the dreams that I have. And, And I wanted to share that with people, that you can have this upbeat, positive life, and and not let things get you down and learn from them. And, and with the right mindset, you can achieve your dreams. And a lot of what this book's about is the my core triumph, which is my success strategy. Uh, core means have a coach, know your outcome, that's your goals. Write down your reasons, because that's your motivation to do the work. And then E is for execution plan. And triumph, the try means... You know, if your plan isn't getting getting you where you want to go, try something different, so always analyze how things are going. And then I end it with an exclamation, which means to celebrate. I think celebration is so important, and I don't know what it, whether it's because people lack flexibility or what, but we don't pat ourselves on the back enough. We need to take those moments when we do something well, and it could be something little, but just take that moment to celebrate and go, wow, I did that, and then go on, because then you become in the habit of achieving goals and and celebrating your successes. So I wanted to put all that together and help people live this successful, positive life that they can share with others because when each person's at their best, they, they list everyone around them. Everyone around them becomes, a, becomes better when you're at your best. And, uh, and I thought that I, I could share that and help people get to that point in life. That's awesome. That's, that's can you tell us how point. we can get the book? Oh, I, absolutely, I'd love to. It's on Amazon, which uh, uh, is an amazing company, obviously. So, Amazon.com, and then if you just search Golf Positive, Live Positive, it's there in a paperback version as well as the downloadable version. And uh, I think the word Kindle confuses people because I've had some people ask, I don't have a Kindle. I'm like, But you can download it anyway. You can really download on any device.
1: Right. And it will
0: be there for you.
1: Right, That's exactly. Awesome, Let me just add – Yeah, let me just add a a quick thought to what you had just said a a moment ago. I think that, you know, as much as the negative can be contagious, so can the positive. And I think as an individual, I think if you focus on positive and sort of exude that positive energy, it's contagious. So if you want to be somebody that wants to influence other people, why not influence in a positive way as opposed to a negative way? And this is the trap. You know, if you are a negative minded person then you're going to attract negative people because everybody sort of gets in if you're a positive person you're going to attract positive people and it always baffles the mind to me anyways why so many people um don't do the latter why they are always sort of focusing on the negative they get around and it's like that like Cindy you talked about earlier is it's kind of that that pity party and you know, the, the humdrum and the, you know, feeling, um, that sort of constant negative energy and you never get out of it. So I want to ask you this uh, question, Debbie, with respect to that, we get a lot of junior players that come out, their parents uh, want to get them out there and work on the game. What advice would you give the parents to keep that in a positive energy? Even if the child doesn't do well during their lesson or during their round or even during their tournament, what would you say to the parents? How should they handle, um, maybe a, a bad round or a bad day, but still keep that positive energy? What would you tell them?
0: I'll tell them something that I learned from Nancy Lopez. I had become friends with her, and I was playing in our national championship. And we were communicating. She knew I was going to play. And, uh, and I just – I played, and I had a, a pretty poor round. And I, I was feeling bad about it, you know, a little bit after the round and a little disappointed. And I was texting with her, and she wrote, she said, how did you play? today and uh, she said oh yeah, how'd you do and I said I really didn't play well her next question and this is parents listen to this her text back to me was did you try your best on every shot and I thought about it for a moment and I said you know what I did I stayed in a positive mindset I visualized each shot I I did you know I did my best on each shot meaning I was I was emotionally ready in the shot I was focused Uh, You know, now, things happen, we're human, so I might have gotten distracted, but was I actually trying to do my best each and every shot? So I thought about it, and then I wrote her back, and I said, yes, I did. And her response was this to me, then you should be proud of yourself. She didn't ask me what I shot. She asked me if I tried my best. And I think that's where parents need to focus, especially when it's someone who's really striving, and help them realize that. They, the children are not their golf game, and you don't want the children I, to think that, that you're, gonna be, you're not going to love them enough if they don't play well in golf because they're still an amazing human being. You want them to know that. And golf is just something they do It doesn't make them a, something who they are. And you want to make sure you distinguish those things and make sure your children know you love them no matter what they shoot, and you're proud of them when they just try their best. And that doesn't mean, you know, they're not striving to to reach other goals or win the tournament. But remember, when you're playing golf, it's not like one team wins and one team loses. It's one person wins, and then there's maybe 120 others or 80 others or 70 others who don't win. You know, So it's a little bit harder to win. But if they try their best, be proud of them. If they're working hard at their game, be proud of them. And then also, especially for juniors, still make it fun. You can be the best yes. and still have fun along the way. And celebrate successes. I'd say, you know, after a round, if they didn't win or they struggled, remind them of the great shots they hit. And go! Wow, that was awesome! Like, let's go out for ice cream, like they do in baseball and softball. If you hit one home run, doesn't matter if your team won. If you hit a home run, your parents were taking you out for dinner or for ice cream. I mean, you know, I, I want to go to dinner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> take me for dinner. Don't take me for ice. cream. <laughs> but anyway, so you know, celebrate that, those great because there's going to be great shots to talk about.
1: Right. Yeah, and that, that's that's exactly true. You know, I, I look at it this way. I, I think if I would rather and I know some people may not agree with this, I would rather lose but have fun and enjoy the, the experience than win and be miserable and not enjoy the experience. And someone say, well, how can you win and not enjoy it? You'd be surprised how many people are at the top of their game but are not happy because they're, they're constantly uh, in pursuit of that perfection. They're never reaching the goals that they think that they should get, and they're in, in constant turmoil. And if you look through history of golf, there's been a few players like that that we're in a constant pursuit of perfection, and it's just something that's never going to happen. You're never going to perfect golf. Uh, You're certainly going to get better, and you can improve, uh, but there's always that room for improvement, but you're never going to perfect the game. Nobody ever will perfect it, Uh, certainly not in my lifetime anyways, but I think that people that pursue that perfection are usually not very happy because they know that it's an unattainable goal, and they just continue to, to sort of beat themselves up when they don't get to the plateau that they feel they should get to. And, I mean, can I, name probably a dozen players off the top of my head that have had experience over 20, 30 years in golf. So, uh,
0: yeah, and I could give you a story, too, on the opposite side of that. Uh, Brittany Lincecombe is yes. one of them, and she, she is one who has – an incredible work-life balance. She will take the time to go fishing. She takes the time to play tennis. Even even during a, a golf tournament, she loves to play tennis. So she may be at an event but then finish her practice round or finish whatever she's doing and then go play a little bit of tennis with somebody. And I was actually at a, a corporate outing with her one day and the, the discussion came up and I and I had asked her, if you knew you'd be number one player in the world for a year and you'd win all the majors, would you put the work in, you know, the, the working out, focus 100% when on physical body, mental game, nutrition, and golf, and working? Would you do that to be there? And she said, absolutely not. She said, I love my work balance. I do my best. I play hard. She said, I don't like to be on the range all day. I play a lot. So her off-season and her practice is she's mostly on-the-course playing. She'll, pla- she'll practice some if she needs to work on an area. But she is very happy. She has been extremely successful on the LPGA Tour. She has won majors. She's won lots yes. of corners, She's competed in the Solheim Cup. So she's had an amazing career as we look at it. Could she be better? I don't know because if she did – actually cut off all the things she enjoyed in life and h- focus so much on her golf game and make it just her job all day, every day in every area of her life, she might do worse because that's not who Absolutely. she is and yeah. she wouldn't enjoy the process. So it's it's very interesting about knowing yourself and how you can be successful and enjoy and celebrate all along the way. And I think that's the key for for parents really to know, for their children because I've heard it in many sports where I, there was a gal who, who was an amazing basketball player. I met her at a basketball camp and she got a full scholarship to the University of Tennessee playing for Pat's something. I mean, that's the dream of everyone when I was you know in, in high school mm-hmm. and going to these camps, right? You wanted to play for the best. Well, she ended up quitting. But the big part was her dad put so much pressure on her. And she had to be perfect. Like, if she played a game and she missed two free throws, her dad made her shoot 100 free throws like, at, in, that night in their, at their house. You know, it was just this constant pressure on her. And, and it, was, it was really sad. And she ended up quitting the game. She, never, she didn't go and play her, all her four years. She got there. And, you know, I guess uh, the same thing was happening probably with Pat, a lot of pressure from Pat, as we know her as a coach and high expectations. And she just found she was miserable. And she, she didn't enjoy the whole process, which was such a shame because she was such a talent in the game. And um, so I, I don't know what she's doing now, but I hope she's doing all right and living a happy life. Uh, but remember that as parents. You don't, want, you don't want to put so much pressure on them or make it so miserable that they quit the game and they don't, they don't ever play the game the rest of their lives because they have this negative feeling about it or feeling that they have to be perfect. But celebrate the successes. Celebrate the good shots. Be proud when they do their best. And do it for yourself too, Yeah. I, <laughs> not just for the kids. Yeah,
1: exactly. I think if the par- I think if the child, you know, has a, um, you know, whether it be a bad shot or, or a difficult experience, I think if they initiate a plan to um, seek out improvement, I think that's a good thing. But I think if it's forced upon them as a punishment, as you just pointed out, um, it, it's it's not going to have a positive experience for sure. I mean, the kid's going to resent it. Um, they're going to feel like they've done something wrong and they didn't, they had a bad, you know, hit, uh, it was a bad shot in that particular case, or maybe they had a bad game overall or a bad round out in the golf course. Um, it shouldn't be treated as a punishment. It should be treated, treated as a learning opportunity. And I think this is where a lot of parents, you're right, go wrong as they, they feel, well, you just not working hard enough or you need to step up your game or, or what have you. And a lot of times um, maybe it's the opposite. Maybe they just need to go and do something else and clear their head and, and relax and have some fun. And, and uh, you know, the examples that you gave were, were, were spot on. Um, now, Cindy, I know you're getting ready to uh, she's on her way to, to French Lick and she's uh, going for the, uh, to attempt the qualifying on the CP, uh, senior uh, women's uh, championship at French Lick. Um, so, Debbie, what would you advise a player that's getting ready for, for something like that? What would you say uh, as, as their coach or, or as their uh, uh, teacher profession, what would you advise them in pre- in preparation for an important tournament?
0: I'd tell, tell Cindy to trust herself and trust her game. Wow, because she's a phenomenal player. She's won the big tournament. And, uh, you know, when when I watched the interview after the LPG, the KPMG, Championship and um, first-time winner. Oh my God, I'm drawing a blank on on her name. First-time. Danielle uh, Kang. 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 Right, Kang. Danielle Kang. Yeah. Yeah. Danielle. When when they asked her, they said, "What was the key to your success?" She said, "You know, I I really believed in myself and I kept my confidence up. It is so much mindset." It, and it's incredible, Cindy. I, and I would encourage anyone to, to meditate on that and go back to the times where you were, or you, well, you won the national championship of TNTP. I know that. And I know you've done amazingly well in other tournaments. And p- play that in your mind again and remind yourself just how good you are, how, how well you play in big tournaments, and how successful you are. And then continue the, the positive talk. And the other thing I'm getting, everyone to do is power posing I call it my Wonder Woman pose you literally it was the a, a study from Harvard Business School Amy Cuddy led the led the study and found out if you stand like a superhero you, with your weight even chest out chin up. And stand, especially the chest part, that's the big key. If you stand that way for two minutes, you actually raise your level of testosterone, which is that power, confident hormone, and you lower cortisol. Cortisol goes down by 25%. So what I do now when I play, and I'm not playing all that often, but when I play, and especially in a tournament, as I'm waiting for my shot, I'm standing and making sure my chest is up. When I'm walking down the fairway, I'm making sure my chest is up. When I'm walking to a shot with my chin up and in that powerful body language, and the confident body language, and it trans, transfers into your body and actually makes your hormones help you to feel the way your body is acting. So I, w- I encourage everyone to do that throughout the day and so and in the positive self-talk because it's, it's uh, the key. It's absolutely you get what you focus on and picturing the shot exactly the way you want it and then with your chest up stepping in like your Wonder Woman believing in that shot each and every time you know danielle just said it believe in yourself and be confident and play the real as you're as you're um as you're the night before or as you're practicing picture the success that you want and uh, and your your brain really doesn't know if you're really succeeding in it or if you're just visualizing it so it believes you can do it you know and and here's the one thing that helped me one time i'm i was i'm a bowler as well and i had um, i've had two 300 games but before I had the first one, I would get nervous. You know, I'd get seven in a row and my heart would start beating. And then I'd, then I'd have a week where I got eight in a row or nine. And I would, I, would, I would get so nervous that I didn't get the next one. And then I realized, what I said to myself was, you know what? I've done well in bowling. I've won tournaments. If I don't have a 300, no big deal. Well, that lasted for about a week. And I'm like, that's, that's a silly way of thinking. So I changed my thinking to it's possible. Because I could believe that 100%. I wasn't 100% I could believe I could shoot the 300, but I didn't think about that anymore. I, I pictured it. I wanted it. And I thought, it's possible. I know I can make one strike. And I know I can make one strike 12 times. I know I can do it. So I started to say it's possible. And then the other part, I didn't focus anymore on being nervous. My body got nervous. I mean, throwing that last ball, I didn't think I could walk. I mean, I, I picked my ball up. My legs felt like they were just then My knees were literally knocking. My heart, I felt like my, my heart was was going to hit the pins. I took a deep breath, and, again, you get what you focus on. I didn't focus on my nerves. I focused on my target. I focused on where I wanted to throw the ball. I took a breath, and I went. And I threw as good a ball, that 12th ball, as I did the first one of the game, and then I, and I got it. And I mean, talk about celebrating. Boy, I was crying like a baby after that. But the point to that, it's not to impress anybody. It's to impress upon you that no matter how nervous you are and how, how big the situation is and how your body's feeling, you can focus on what you want to accomplish. Let your body feel what it's feeling. You're not going to stop it. You know, you're not going to stop that heart from beating. You're not going to stop the nerves in your body. But don't focus on them. Focus on what you want to do. Take a deep breath and step in confidently and go. And I'm rooting for you. Well, thank you.
1: Yeah, it's all about – listen, I, I, I'm, writing this, I'm writing this stuff down, Debbie, because I figured out what I'm doing wrong all this time. So I'm going to get in my pose after the show, and, and uh, I'm going I'm to work on, on all these things that you just talked about. But, no, that, that's some great advice. And, and, you know, I think so many people, as we talked about earlier, Cindy, so many people emphasize on the negatives of their game, you know, and, and as you talked about as well, Debbie, and during interviews, you know, you don't hear the better players – focusing and talking about the bad shots. They may get asked a question about it, but they, they navigate away from it and they turn it back into a positive, uh, you know, uh, comment or a positive thought. And there's a reason they do that. And I think this is what a lot of our amateurs need to do. And I think that, you know, even if you go out and you don't break 90 uh, or you're struggling to break 100, I think if you have a positive mindset, focus on the, the task at hand and don't get yourself so upset if you don't accomplish every goal that you've set out for that particular round, set some realistic goals, some manageable goals that you know that you're going to be able to easily accomplish. And then maybe one that might have to push the limits a little bit, but don't come out there with an unrealistic expectation. If you haven't broken a hundred all year and you say, well, I want to break 80 or I'm going to break 90, just focus on some small tasks, but keep the images and the thought process positive, And you'll be well on your way to some successful rounds. I'm quite certain of that. Um, Debbie, the other of course part, we gotta, can I, can I touch?
0: It. Can I, Sorry, yep. You go oh, ahead. okay. Cause I just want. Can I make one comment about that? When you go out, make sure your goals aren't about score. When you're yeah. on the course, you can have that as a goal, but focus on. I'm going to stay in a positive mindset. Make that your goal. I'm going to. I'm going to visualize my shot every shot. Make that your goal and succeed in that, and then add up the score at the end. Then you'll reach your scoring goals. But thank you all so much. I know. I know you got to run. Um, This has been awesome. Again, the the book is on Amazon, Golf Positive, Live Positive. I hope you get it. I hope you enjoy it, and it makes makes your life even better in some way, shape, or form. And, Cindy, I'm rooting for you. Good luck in the event, and I know you'll do do awesome. Thank
2: you for joining us, Deb. Good luck with your book, and we appreciate it.
0: Thank you. I can't thank you enough. This has been really fun. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Happy 4th, everybody. Happy Fourth.
1: Yep. All right. That was our very special guest. Yeah, that was a very special guest, Debbie O'Connell. A great uh, LPGA teaching and club professional, and the author of Golf Positive, Live Positive. That uh, she just mentioned, you can get on uh, Amazon. So go and search that out and get your hot little hands on a copy. And as always, uh, Sydney and I are are very grateful for all the listeners that tune in faithfully each and every week. We appreciate uh, your support and. And uh, an ever growing audience, we appreciate that. so um spread the word Women of golf show is here to help you, and we're looking forward to bring some more interesting guests and some exciting dialogue and uh, conversation. Cindy, good luck this week uh, i'm I'm rooting for you. I know you're gonna do well. stay positive and and uh, i i I have uh, a great certainty that you're gonna make it into the tournament for next week, but um keep positive and just uh, give it your give it your all, and uh, I will see you well and too. everyone else next week here on the Women of Golf Show. God bless everybody, and happy 4th of July. Get out there and enjoy, and have a safe uh, and happy holiday. Thanks, everybody.
2: Thanks, Jeff. Bye, Cindy.
1: Bye-bye.